Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is episode 135. My name's Stephen Hill and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, good friend, compadre and green-shirted man, Alan oh. Peter Steele, Renfrey Deadman. Hello, Renfrey. Hello. Uh, yes, I'm wearing my green Bioshock t-shirt. How lovely. Bioshock. Mm, I love it's Bioshock. Some sort of computer game. It's a video is, game. It? It's my favourite video game ever, I would say. Gun to head. I love it. Wow, I don't know anything about that. It's great. Is it as good as is it as good as FIFA FIFA 14? I prefer it to FIFA 14, I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, um I don't know much about computer games, so do you know what I'm going to do, Renfrey? Going to move on? I'm going to I'm going to move swiftly on. On this week's show, we're going to be reviewing new music from Rob Zombie, I Hate God, Pupil Slicer, and Maximo Park. I feel like we've paid because last week was really good. Last week was like probably I would say the best <laughs> week we had in a long time, and I feel like we've 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 paid the price for putting all the good music in from last week yeah. in a week. So just a little heads up. Spoiler alert: there's only one essential album this week. I would say it's not really the best week. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, but anyway, um, we will be getting to them in a little bit. Before we do, as everyone say, thank you to our friends at Signature Brew. Go to signaturebrew.co.uk. And put Riot Act in the code, in the, the code Riot Act, in the checkout, and you'll get 10% off of their many wares. Their many wares include a plethora of band-related beverages. So they've teamed up with Mogwai, Mastodon, Sports Team, and Shikari, Jamie Lenman, The Darkness... Anyone else that I missed? Did I say Mogwai? I, just say, I think you did say Mogwai. I think I said Mogwai. Let's say Mogwai twice because yeah. they're probably going to be coming up in a minute anyway in the show. So I might as well mention them again. Um, but yeah, loads, loads of different bands that they've worked with to create delicious, delicious alcoholic beverages. Um, running a little bit low on my stash. How are you getting on with your stash, a signature brew? I don't have very many left. No, I probably <laughs> should, probably should give John a shout, actually. Um <laughs> Feels a bit beggy this week. The old signature Bruce thing, doesn't it? Yeah. A bit beggy. Oh, they're really good. Oh, if only I had some. Oh. <laughs> I really want to try their new G Sharp. I keep seeing this G Sharp beer come up, which I think is like yes. a super citrusy orange beer or something like mm -hmm. that. And I'm a big fan of... You love the fruit beer, don't you? Oh, I love the fruit beer. I've got sweet tooth, so, you know. I've got sweet tooth. I've been on the old Easter eggs again. Not that it's got anything to do with signature brew, me. but... Isn't it but like I, uh, we're like a good month away from Easter, aren't we? I know that's the worrying thing. <laughs> Just a bit. Didn't you have something like seven Easter eggs in one day last year or something? No, no, probably <laughs> seven in like three days or something. Ridiculous. Okay. Probably quite a lot. I was on sort of two Easter eggs a day for a little bit, but I have occasionally <laughs> decided to have at the weekend. I've been like, oh, I let have an Easter egg. Anyway, you're that's like got nothing to you're do. You're like with one half of the toxic twins. <laughs> Yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> injecting our Easter eggs into your eyeballs. Oh, I, lo I love an Easter egg. Love an Easter. Oh, egg. Nice. You're going to do a signature brew Easter egg. Oh, that'd be good. So you could have like a little um, coffee porter. Yeah, egg. <laughs> yeah. You could just drink it out of the chocolate egg. I don't know if that would work. Mm. Um, but you could have like liquor, liqueur, chocolates with it or something like that. Beer chocolate. Yeah. Does beer chocolate exist? Well, you do have sort of cho chili chocolate and also they've got the sort of the chockier, the sort of dark chocolatey, um, cocoa-y beers that you can get. That's so true. I think it could be a, it could be a thing. Yeah. 
Could be. Definitely. Could be. They put, put, you can you put Baileys in an Easter egg, don't you? And oh. Cover it in cream and stuff. Have that. Yes. I'm sure there's somewhere around it. There you go, Signature Brew, guys. You can have that for free. <laughs> That's at no extra cost. That idea, you can have that. <laughs> Lucky them. Yeah, I know. I mean... That is quite a good idea, <laughs> to be honest. Anyway, uh, thanks very much, guys. As I said, go to signaturebrew.co.uk. They do great, great stuff. And you can get 10% off all your purchases with the code RIAACT in the checkout. Go over to our Patreon page as well. A lot of people being very positive this week um, on patreon.com forward slash Podcast about our Smashing Pumpkins special, which I feel like we've sort of teased for a little while now. Yeah. Um, and it finally came out. Um, I should say someone messaged us because we've uh, been a few times we've mentioned PM Dawn. Mm. Now I was always under, I thought PM Dawn was the guy mm. was PM Dawn. I thought he was PM Dawn. I, I, I mean, I did, I saw, I saw this comment and I did, uh, look it up and it's a, uh, it's a hip hop duo PM Dawn apparently. Right. But I thought, see, I actually well. thought he was PM. Dawn. Anyway, listen, we didn't do a PM Dawn special. Um, <laughs> if we had, I like it's a fair play. Bliss. If it had been a special on PM, PM Dawn, that would have been a massive fuck up. So fair play, <laughs> but it wasn't. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, if um, you remember it, PM Dawn, it's uh, Doc G and K-R-O-K or yeah, K-R-O-K. I think those are the mm. two rappers. Yeah. I, I i i genuinely thought he was i thought the guy with the sort of um the high dreads that were i thought he had a sort of his dreads tied up high i thought he was pm dawn mm. no, anyway that's got nothing to do with smashing pumpkins <laughs> smashing pumpkins um special on siamese dream which people have seem to be very positive about and a lot of people have said how much they've enjoyed listening to us wax lyrical about a great 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 smashing pumpkins record mm, what an album what a yeah so good record i feel like we say this every week now as you probably move on but yeah um thanks very much for your kind words on that and i'm glad you all agree it is the best one it's the best smashing pumpkins album yeah yeah spoiler alert uh getting the specials special coming up in a couple of weeks so that's over on um as i said patreon.com forward slash right podcast we also completed Glassjaw this week that's it the end now coloring book ep writers review went out and um you know <laughs> i know you're hankering to do fucking l mark straight away we've already had a request to do our color green so <laughs> i know i can't believe it <laughs> thanks adam Burley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay but we won't do that for about three years at the very very <laughs> earliest um but yeah i mean for any amount you can sign up and you can suggest an album preferably not by glass jaw uh and you get access to all of our writers reviews which have included the likes of bjork killing joke velvet revolver block party placebo helmet london grammar death and Rav 1979 biffy clyro Candlebox, devin townsend bonnevere manic street preachers massive attack misfits the mars volta ProBot, The Exploited, Tyler the Creator, The White Stripes, 100 Gex. Done loads. Done absolutely loads. And £5 a month for two classic albums. As I said, this month it is Smashing Pumpkins and then it'll be the specials. We don't know what it's going to be after that. No. So keep your, keep your ears to the ground and we will be revealing that ASAP. But that's all over on our Patreon page. Um, quite a bit of stuff has happened in the last week or so. I'm going to start with i think the saddest thing 
that's happened this week. We have to do another one of these obituaries, which is, you know, something we always seem to say, oh, we do these a lot, don't we? And this one in particular for me um, is, is, is as sad and upsetting as one that we've done for quite some time. LG Petrov of Entombed actually passed away this week on the 7th of March, Sunday the 7th of March, after a very short battle with bile duct cancer at the age of 49. Um, we spoke about that at the time when he was doing a kind of crowdfunding thing and said, you know, go and yeah. crowdfund him and help him to pay for his medical treatment. Um, obviously that you got the has you got the converged cover of Wolverine Blues if you did that. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, obviously that's uh, something that a lot of people I know donated to, but cancer as I can confirm, is a fucking horrible thing. And um, this is just really, really, really shit. It's really sad. And uh, I've spoken about it in terms of a lot. Renfrey, do you want to start this before I probably inevitably wax lyrical about how great Entombed are? I, I feel like you're the... Um, I feel like you're the expert on Entombed. I've got a lot of respect for Entombed and um, what they did. Um, we've, I can't, we, oh, what did you give me? Was it to ride, shoot straight and speak the truth? Same difference. Same I difference gave you. you gave me. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Which you saw as an underrated album. And I th I think I agree. Mm. I think it was really, really good. Um, but yeah, they're not as much of a staple of my life as they are yours. Um, I mean, just basic comments on LG Petrov um absolutely tragic news um we sort of knew it was coming because we had covered it before but very very sad loss for um that world um yeah I'll pass over to you yeah I mean it's it's one of those where obviously as soon as the news broke we <clears> were <throat> I, I was kind of braced for the fact yeah that that we was probably going to happen yeah. and, and I probably more than anything I think you know I had always sort of hankered and hoped and had my fingers crossed for a, a reconciliation of the original full kind of, or as close as we could get to the the sort of classic lineup of Entombed, um, you know, with Alex Hellid and Nick Anderson and LG Petrov in particular being in the band. I think they're the three kind of, you know, main driving forces of the the really, really great stuff that Entomb did. I would say those first five albums, Left Hand Path, Clandestine, um, Wolverine Blues, obviously is you know, a massive one as well. To Ride, Shoot Straight and Speak the Truth and Same Difference uh, are all incredible. Uprising that came after it is really good as well. I like Morningstar. I mean, I basically like everything that the initial Entombed as a band did. The fact that in the kind of mid nineties, I felt like, sorry, not the mid nineties, the mid noughties, it felt like they just sort of went away for a little bit, you know, and they weren't as prolific as they were in the, in the nineties. And yet still American hardcore bands were discovering them and almost wholesale. I don't want to say ripping off completely because I wouldn't say they completely ripped them off, but certainly the sound of entombed, in hardcore now from trap them all pigs must die magruder grind even even nails and bands like that i mean it's just fucking everywhere the it's become the influence is undeniable yeah. <clears throat> undeniable 
Mm. Like it's it's so massive. And I think the, the thing, you know, that's all the kind of the wall of noise and the chainsaw riffs and, and that kind of thing. But I think what hasn't been mentioned so much in the past week when thinking about Entombed and, you know, what they did for, for music and for, and for metal in particular is the kind of the... The, the breadth of stuff they managed to do within that first five records, you know, how different they were to... When you think of Swedish death metal, a lot of people think of the melodic Swedish death metal mm. of, you know, Gothenburg and At The Gates and In Flames and Dark Tranquility and that stuff. And they were so different to that. And, mm. you know, there are, there are a, a group of bands who are similar to that, but I think they absolutely nailed, you know, those first couple of albums, they really nailed european death metal brilliant <clears throat> and then wolverine blues bringing in those bluesier uh rock and roll elements to it which they carried on with to ride shoot straight and speak the truth and then for their kind of primary songwriter in um nick anderson to leave and for them to do same difference which again you know like not many people mention that record and i know it's got a uh, you know a fairly um low opinion in the, in a lot of in tombs fans eyes that would be the kind of low point but i i love the. i mean i absolutely love that record i love the fact that they you know they really uh went out of their way to do something completely different completely different and you know we always we always champion that as a mm. as as a as a process and um you know for me that record still stands up if you're a fan of unsane and helmet and prong and you know, even Fugazi and do you know what I mean? Slint and stuff like that. I think you can enjoy something from that. And but what made it continue to be metal was LG Petrov, who had like such a wicked stage presence, who had such a recognizable voice. It's very hard in metal, and particularly in extreme metal, to have an instantly recognizable voice in a group of people <laughs> essentially all shouting um fairly oftenly monotonously and quite one pace and quite one dimensionally he never let his vocal performances sort of drop down below unbelievably intense and brutal but at the same time he really sounded like him mm. you could hear what he was saying mm. you know he managed to find hooks in, in death metal and I think that's a real skill to find hooks in an extreme type of music. And and it's something that for me, it's why Entombed were the first, like probably the first extreme metal band that I really genuinely went, I like that band. You know, I bought To Ride and I bought Same Difference and then I went back to, you know, those first three records and I was like, oh, the, you know, this is an extreme metal band. And they managed to sort of nearly infiltrate the mainstream a little bit in the 90s when metal was a, a you know sort of proper metal and extreme metal and heavy metal was in quite an awkward difficult place um and they were getting on ozfest and you know kerrang front covers and mm. supporting machine head and things like that Do you know what i mean they were a really really important bridging crossover band entombed and he was this you know, sweat-soaked, drunken, roaring metalhead. Like, ap you know, absolutely no fucks given. Mm. 
about there there are a bunch of these people from that era that i think you just looked at and you went and, and i remember as a kid being like what's cool about these people is they're not strictly like sticking to the rules of what heavy metal was meant to be yeah. but they still do not care about getting on in kerrang or an mtv you know barney i meant barney greenway was one that i was like this guy's amazing johnny morrow from iron monkey i just loved his attitude you know someone like grady from grady avanel from all the guys in wilhaven for example and lg petrov was another one where i was like this guy is just a, like loves a drink and loves to bang his head and he wants to listen to kiss and motorhead and black sabbath and that's all he cares about he doesn't care about being a fucking character or it's just a totally normal guy but he's got this really like uniquely brilliant voice um which like really really suits this weird rumbling catchy rock and roll death metal they were such a massive band for me growing up when i was a kid in tomb they're such a massive band and his voice is totally synonymous with that and yeah it's really it's really sad it's legitimately really sad to think that he's gone and there won't be any kind of you know reconciliation of that that classic lineup of entombs yeah well, 49's no age to die neither no. is it no, so no, not at all yeah r.i.p lg petrov absolutely <clears throat> r.i.p in slightly more positive news for the world of metal creator are going to be headlining the bloodstock festival in 2021 should it go ahead we're still all crossing our fingers to hope that we do get festivals this year as we discussed a couple of weeks ago um it was going to be merciful fate merciful fate have had to pull out merciful fate have been confirmed as 2022 headliners you've got to imagine that will go ahead yeah that's a pretty safe bet i would like to think 2022 i mean jesus let's hope so um create as a interesting one i think as a bloodstock headliner i mean if it goes ahead i'm really i i i saw that merciful fate had been moved a year and i i wondered if there would be a problem getting a band from america or mainland europe coming into the country and playing a festival i did wonder how big you know the kind of replacement would be hmm. i think creator are a, a very worthy headliner to be honest i think it's a good booking for bloodstock um creator personally don't do an awful lot for me and i personally would have preferred merciful fate but i'm you know under the circumstances i think it's definitely a good booking mm -hmm. um and i think there are plenty of people who will be excited for creator um your thoughts on creator um i mean i really love there's you know there's the the recent albums that people go mad for i don't i think of completely fine you know they're you see people going mad for like the last couple of sepultura albums and stuff and i think well really you know like pleasure to kill is undoubtedly an absolute classic like it's a fucking brilliant record and creator do have a handful of records from sort of 1986 up to 1991 that i think are, are really really great metal records and i think they do a better job as a you know a, an elder statesman band than a lot of the really big bands i mean mm -hmm. i would take you, you know the, the what creative <coughs> are putting out in comparison with what slayer or anthrax or megadeth have been putting out mm. over the last sort of two or three albums from those bands i mean there there's 
absolutely no comparison whatsoever mm. i think people go a little bit ott in terms of the new creator stuff is as good as they've ever been and blah 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 but i do think people go a little bit ott with that mm. having said that they are fucking incredible live as well and they genuinely do really really bring it live so i'm 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 really excited to see them with a full-blown headline set because i have to say they, they subbed um they subbed headline to ghost i think was okay. it ghost a few years ago i think it might have been ghost um and they played a sub headline uh sub headliner slot with so much or was it, it might have been a monomath there's a monomath or ghost i think it's one of them and they were great and they there was so much like pyro and you know the stage show was was wicked it was okay. really really good so yeah i would be well keen on seeing them do a full headline of set and you know they've got enough old classics that will you know please me it is a bit of a worry to see a band like merciful fate pulling out though i mean actually there's a fair few bands from the lineup who are from america and are from uh mainland europe who are saying that you know they can't make it this year having already been you know um confirmed previously i'm wondering how much of this we're going to see mm. in the next couple of months of bands who can't play you know aren't willing to come over just for one show potentially or you know whatever it, it, it's slightly worrying especially when you look at the, the lineups of the other festivals and you think well you know are we going to be able to get bands over from america like you look at who's headlining reading someone like queens of stone age look at opeth or cult of luna having to come over from sweden for arc tangent yeah. thrice for jimmy, two thousand trees yeah and jimmy Eat world and you know some 41 at slam dunk there's a lot of bands that you're like well mm. I wonder. Mm. I wonder if this is going to be a problem mm. later on yeah. in the year. We'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Um, but you know, I can understand why people are keeping their cards close to their chests at the moment because we just don't know, do we? It could um, it could all change overnight, could. practically. So mm. we'll see. I mean, you know, I just really hope we get something this year. Mm. I'm thinking about going. To, there's a festival uh, near Merlin for a metal hammer. I think we're going to go and see. Uh, all Saints, Faithless, and the Lightning Seeds uh, Festival. <laughs> wow. Do you want to give them a shout out? What's that called? I think it's called Pub in the Park. Pub in the Park. That sounds quite good. Bit of you in it? Yeah, bit of me. Maybe I'll come. You on. love parks? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You love pubs? I definitely love pubs, yeah. And you love the Lightning Seeds? Mm, I have... Dodgy? I think Dodgy are playing as well. You okay. like Dodgy? I think All Saints are probably the favorite, my favourite of the three that you've mentioned. Four mentioned. I mentioned. I've mentioned four. Gabrielle's on the Sunday as well. Gabrielle's oh, got a new album coming out. James can come true. Brilliant. That that is Gabrielle. Yes. <laughs> uh, Renfrey's Gabrielle tribute act. Um, speaking of, <laughs> I was going to say speaking of massive artists with big albums, which I'm sure Gabrielle has sold quite a lot of records. But has she ever had a number? Has she ever kept Maximo Park off the number one spot? Mm. This is mad that Architects did get number one. We spoke last yeah. week about Mogwai and how it was, you know, an insane achievement that Mogwai got to number one. And it's really, really brilliant. Arguably, having jumped, as we said last week, from 18 to one, from Holy Hell being 18, to, for those that wish to exist to number one with architects that's even bigger than a jump than architects going from was it six to one mogwai went from yeah six six i think mm. six and that's 
that's pretty impressive. But mm. number one record for architects. Yeah. Um, you know. And Showed you, haven't they? <laughs> I retract my review. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really, really good thing for them. I think it's a really good thing for metal overall. We were um, still a little bit reserved when we recorded this time last week. They were at number three, I think, in the midweek chart. So I, yeah, I didn't suspect that they would actually get number one. I thought they'd probably stay at number three. So it says a lot for Architects fans that it was clearly something that they really wanted to make happen. And I think that's really cool that people kind of um, rallied together and made it happen. It was the most downloaded album um even in the midweeks um yeah. i'm sure i mean i'm not claiming this as bad as 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 uh, uh underhand tactics or anything like that but the album was 4.99 on itunes that would have had a massive impact on its digital sales um that's just good marketing to be honest yep. so fair enough um yeah i mean it is it's uh really like i think it's a good thing for metal um and i think it's a good thing for uh for the scene as a whole you know mm. yeah it's really it's really great news i mean i think some people have gone a little bit over to, over the top with it uh, as we'll discuss in a minute um particularly the person who i saw I don't, i'm not going to name them but someone on there's a friend of a friend on facebook who said <laughs> someone was saying ah you know um this is really great uh and i think I'd, I'd, well we'll get to why in a minute but someone was saying they compared it to like it's not like nirvana or something and this person said, no, 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 more people will have heard the Architects album because of streaming than have heard than heard Smells Like Teen Spirit back in 1992. I mean, <laughs> no, <clears throat> no, that is not true. Oh, good. <laughs> I got a real kick. I'm not going to lie, Renfrey. I got a real kick out of that. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> that was a funny thing to say. Um, and it kind of does tie into it. So anyway, like genuinely, I'm... I, I'm so great to see a band like Architects at number one for me. I'm I'm really really fucking pleased with them. Um, really really pleased. But it kind of does feed into the next thing that I want to talk about. The final thing before we go into our reviews, which is Adam Levine said bands aren't real. <laughs> Did you hear about this? He said they're not real. Renfrey said there's no such thing as bands. What does he mean? Give me uh, some context. Right. So Adam Levine was being interviewed. And he basically said, he said that he felt that bands were a dying breed, right? And he wished that there were more of them. Now, we'll get into this. This is the, his exact quote. It's funny. When the Maroon 5 album came out, there were still loads of other bands. I feel like there aren't any bands anymore, you know? Now, obviously, what Adam Levine from Maroon 5 means by that is that if you were to look at the charts on a normal week, most of the time, there would be more solo pop artists, hip hop artists, boy bands, uh, you know, hip hop collectives in the charts than there would be guitar bands. Right? Yeah. Now, yes, Idols got to number one. Yes, Mogwai got to number one. Yes, Yumi at Six got to number one. Yes, Architects got to number one. But nobody can argue that the profile of those artists are as high as... So when did Maroon 5 start? Say at 2000. 2000, you've got Rage Against the Machine, Green Day, Offspring, 
uh, Limp Biscuit, Linkin Park, Papa Roach, Corn, System of a Down, Metallica, blah blah blah, blah. Iron Maiden, blah 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 blah, Oasis, Blur, all that stuff, The Strokes, mm-hmm. all of those bands. Now, all of those bands, despite what that person on Facebook who thinks Architects are bigger than Nirvana said, <laughs> all of those bands were had a far higher profile than the bigger biggest artists in the world. This is this is a fact. Right, this is a fact. Mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj is bigger than Mogwai. Billie Eilish is bigger than Architects. Post Malone is bigger than the Lightning Seeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't mean they're not real. You know, Adam Levine didn't say, didn't really say bands don't exist. Didn't say Echo and the Bunny Men are a cake. <laughs> you know, didn't say Sonic Youth are you know some sort of is a driving <clears throat> school. It's not what he said, mm. right? The reaction to him saying that is has been, I think, quite embarrassing. I, I felt embarrassed for kind of rock and metal when I've looked at the online reaction to it. Because it's like like the big big bully saying something. And then when he turns around, you go and stick your fingers up and go, idiot. And then and it's just been an architect's getting to know, you know, the, the this happened on the same day as Architects got to number one. Right. So, of course, everyone went, oh, Architects getting to number one proved Adam Levine <laughs> wrong. And it's like, it hasn't proved Adam Levine wrong at all. It hasn't. Stormzy is still a lot bigger than Employed to Serve. He's not saying, I mean, anyone who takes that totally at face value, I have to think you're quite a thick person. Is this, Your thoughts on this, Renfrey? Is this news, though? Like, well, this is always yeah, I mean, how it's been. I, I, I don't... Mm, I don't know. Well, well, quite. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's... It, Maroon 5 came along at a point where, you know, I mean, we, we're going to talk about one of the bands who I think probably were around when that pendulum really slipped, you know, because from... Uh, it's always been the case that there have been that there have been big pop artists, obviously. <clears throat> but to, as massive as somebody like Take That were, you could look at Oasis and go, "Well, they're as big, aren't they?" You know, the profile of guitar bands and rock music was always there somewhere. You know, at some point, um, and and when you know when Maroon Five came along, U two and Coldplay and the, the strokes and all those other but you know they were they were as big as anything mm. you know it was a different thing i guess to britney spears and the backstreet boys and whatever mm-hmm. but the, you know the sales wise it they were fairly neck and neck profile wise they were fairly neck and neck you look at the kind of artists that played say some some kind of massive cultural thing mtv music awards grammys um super but halftime super bowls stuff like that right and it was a fairly even mix of stuff i don't think there's currently like bruno mars is not sweating on fucking the future heads taking his place at the halftime super bowl or whatever no he i mean adam levine is is right he's right yeah I just, I, I just, I just don't see this as much of a revelation. Is all. I'm just, I'm just sort of. Well, it, it wouldn't be much of a revelation 
if there haven't been... I mean, I just went on The Guardian and BuzzFeed and there's endless fucking blogs in rock and metal press talking about it and you know it was trending and it was something that everybody seemed to suddenly have opinion on, an opinion on as if it was the most controversial thing that anyone had ever said i mean buzzfeed <coughs> went adam levine said there's no bands and then went have you never even heard of bts it's like well, you've made even more a twang because bts aren't a, they're not a band are they they're a group but i don't think that's what he means yeah, when he's talking yeah, about yeah. bands it doesn't mean fucking boy bands. he's not going oh there's no bands anymore i remember when i was growing up and you know, there was East 17 and Westlife. Like, I don't think that's what he's talking about. <clears throat> yes. Um, yeah, you're, I mean, yeah, to me, it's 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 not a revelation. Mm. It's a p- pretty bog-standard question that he give, has given a pretty bog-standard answer to. And yet it seems like he's throwing a fucking grenade into And now everyone's saying, that, oh, people are saying that but we don't exist and all this. It's like, come on, grow up. Are you fucking mad? It feels like quite a slow news week outside of rock and metal. What, because of this? <laughs> yeah, people are going this has been, crazy this has been the about biggest, this. This has been the biggest thing that anyone's spoken about. This is this is what I mean. That's why I'm saying this is, I think it's this a is, slow news week. Yeah, music. this is music's equivalent of the Harry and Meghan interview. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. It's like, this is nothing. This is nothing. And yet you're like fucking going per puce in the face because of it <laughs> per-puce. at least it, at least it meant you got to use the word per puce on the podcast mm-hmm. i like that mm. yeah uh yeah it's really weird um i mean look i don't particularly need or want to stick up for adam levine as a person because he's in you know he's, he's in he's in maroon five <laughs> <laughs> like i'm not sticking up for that guy he's uh not a fan of this he, love I don't mind that song, actually. You've picked the one Maroon 5 song that I actually quite like. Do you know what? That song has almost half a billion plays on Spotify. It's not even their well, biggest song. Is it Moves Like Jagger? No, she will their be... Song. Well, I, mm, I think She Will Be Loved is their biggest song. I used to work with someone called Stephen Wellbeloved, and I used to go, Stephen Wellbeloved. <laughs> That's only funny uh, if you knew Stephen Wellbeloved, but um yeah it was good oh, do you, uh, know, yeah, what, do you know what i have to correct myself i'm so sorry no i'm totally wrong we're both wrong sugar has over a billion plays on spotify isn't that depressing mm-hmm. and then a song called memories which i don't even know has over a billion plays as well from cats <laughs> memories <laughs> uh moose like jagger uh, is six hundred forty seven thousand. fun fact Six hundred forty-seven thousand. Mm. Uh, uh, sorry, six hundred forty-seven million. I was going to say, <laughs> fucking hell, that was, yeah. that was brutal. There's a lot That's of numbers not... here. There's a lot of numbers. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Maroon Five. You know, I don't. Again, I, I there's, I'm not sticking up for Maroon Five. Not really sticking up for Adam Levine. I'm more like, God, why do you have to be like this? Why do people? Why do people who like rock music have to be like? Just accept it's fucking dead for fuck's sake. It's dead, you idiots. It's fucked. It's not coming back. Like no one's going. Jazz fans don't do this, don't they? Jamie Cullum is as big as. Not coming back, lads. Like enjoy it. It's great. We all love Gajira. Don't get me wrong. There's some fucking great heavy music that we're going to be talking about. But it ain't gonna like. It's not as big. It's not as big. Get over it. Stop having a go at Adam Levine. He's got enough to worry about. He's in Maroon Five. 
<sighs> Should we do some reviews? Yeah, let's do some reviews. <laughs> all right, let's start with. Um, oh, I say metal's not dead. <laughs> Got a new uh, Rob Zombie's back though <laughs> to save it. Uh, the Lunar Injection Cool Aid Eclipse Conspiracy is the seventh full-length album from the former white zombie frontman turned Hollywood Renaissance man Robert zombie esquire the follow-up to 2016's the electric warlord acid witch satanic orgy celebration dispenser these fucking titles are <laughs> so i'm just like come on mate yeah. um <laughs> and i have to say i like rob zombie and i like the electric warlock acid witch satanic orgy celebration dispenser <laughs> as a record i thought it was a cool record um it almost felt like a sort of punk rock album like rob zombie doing the ramones or something I thought it was good. I mean, obviously, you kind of know what you're going to be getting with Rob Zombie. But at least then I was like, well, you know, this is a slightly, slight variant on the usual Rob Zombie flavour, which I which I liked. Yeah, I, I, I thought the last album was a really pleasant surprise. Um, mm. I did not expect a lot from Rob Zombie in 2016. And it was <laughs> like a little over half an hour long, um, really nice, short and sharp and just bang 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 and i i thought like bar the two hell billy deluxes and hell billy deluxe 2 is actually my favorite rob zombie album which is, is it? very unorthodox but very um, weird, weird thing to say yeah I, I love that record but um uh yeah it's probably my third favorite rob zombie album overall the electric warlock acid witch satanic orgy celebration dispenser Fucking hell. um i'd say well, okay, that's fine. I mean, yeah, it's. it's I thought good. it was really good. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, certainly a massive improvement on venomous rat regeneration bender. I think it's called. Bender. <laughs> bender. I said bender. bender. I said bender. I, um, I said venomous rat regeneration bender. <laughs> like, what from, from Futurama? Oh, that was a hell of a bender that we went on. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought it was really mm. weak, possibly possibly the weakest in his catalogue. I thought it was just really tired. Oh, I um, don't even remember what is on that. What was what was it? Hold on, let me um, get the track. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty rough. It's got that that cover of We're an American Band by Grand Funk Railroad was good. Yes, yeah, right. But you know, when when the best song is a cover, it's yeah. it's not great. It's not no. a very good album um not great but yeah but the previous rob zombie album was actually very good i think i think we can both agree very good at yeah. the very least so um yeah so uh i didn't have low expectations for this i didn't have high expectations for it either i was basically just like oh another rob zombie album. <laughs> yeah another rob zombie album um coming off the back of a good rob zombie album uh, john five from rob zombie his guitarist has called this the best material rob zombie has ever done and that this is their sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band i'm assuming that he means the movie um <laughs> now because the thing like you know what you're going to get with rob zombie right as i've read out we've read out three album titles and even if you haven't heard those albums you basically know from if from the titles that they're just going to be that thing that kind of schlocky industrial hard rock yeah b b hot b movie horror movie thing that's what he's going to be doing which to and, be fair you know, he does very well he's very good at that he's really really good at that i mean <clears throat> there are you know after the last album being a slight variant on what happened before we do get at least i think on this record some vague attempts at some kind of 
slightly different flavors occasionally on this record mm -hmm. but ultimately it's a bit of a stretch to say oh it's a it's sergeant peppers it's the new thing it's really really different oh it's it's an insane thing to compare this record to sergeant peppers lonely hearts club band i love john five i think he's brilliant but that mm. is an insane thing to say. Um, yeah, there are some um, brief musical detours on here. It's not, it's certainly not the straightest Rob Zombie album by quite some way. Um, the version I got, it's actually 17 tracks. Um, yeah. I think I might have the bonus version, um, mm -hmm. but still 42 minutes. And, and because the tracks go by so quickly, it give, does give this kind of illusion of momentum through the album it doesn't when i when i saw 17 tracks load up i was like oh my god this is going to be a slog but it's not it's not a slog yeah but there are bits of it which are um a little a little unfamiliar for um rob zombie i suppose a big one that stands out is uh 18th century cannibals excitable morlocks and a one-way ticket on the ghost train um, yes which apart from being the most rob zombie title ever <laughs> uh is a little different for the man come zombie uh taking advantage of john five's country and western chops yeah some real bluegrass with a big shouty chorus in it yeah basically. yeah yeah um and, and, that, and that is quite different yeah it is quite different and not massively different but different it's, it's not massively different but it's different enough um i i kind of waver with it sometimes i'm really into it and sometimes it doesn't quite work for me i actually think mm. that it does have all the elements it needs but weirdly for me i think it's where it comes on the album because for a rob zombie song that is a very experimental song for rob zombie mm. and if you take out the interludes so the 17 tracks on here of the 17 tracks seven of them are interludes um I mean, I don't know if that's why they think this is so groundbreaking, but I mean, just having sort of 60 to 90 seconds of electronic interludes is hardly making you fucking Captain Beefheart. White Zombie did Frank White Zombie did that. Rob Zombie it, was doing this in 1992, you know, so yeah. that that isn't. No, I can't imagine that's what they're um, referring to. But if you take the interludes out, 18th century cannibals, blah, 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 that song, the song we're talking about um is mm -hmm. track four in the track listing and it doesn't sound like a track four song it sounds like a track eight song or a track nine song like an experimental one at the end so sometimes i think it's because of its placing on the album which i'm not convinced is the best place for it um because it because as a consequence it sort of stalls the momentum that the album's built up temporarily you know mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we've just said, isn't it good that bands like bands should try and progress and blah blah blah, uh, and you know, and y Rob Zombie is never going to do that too much, even though there's sort of talk that he has a bit on this one. I mean, the problem with changing it up is if it's shite, you're in big trouble. And I do think 18th Century Cannibals, bloody blah, blah I just I I hate it as a song. Oh really? I okay. I think it's really shit. Oh, okay. And it, I think it sounds like Uncle Cracker. Ooh. Um uh oh, I think just, that's a little harsh. Probably a little bit harsh, but do you know what I mean? It's that plinkily plonkily there, there's something there's 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 a a variant on it later on in the album which I think is way more successful as what I would say. Um but you know, you've got a few songs before that. I mean, 
the triumph of the king which is the first song proper is got some real stabbing synths in the back and it's actually it's heavy i mean even for rob zombie obviously rob zombie is industrial you know dance floor rock club banger heavy but it was actually like industrial boom mm-hmm. and then there was a sort of rock and roll bit and then it almost went a bit methods of mayhem new metal and it did all of that in the space of about 30 seconds so it's a sort of it's a bit all over the gaff that song but it's certainly entertaining i thought it was a pretty good opening i actually thought um, i thought it worked really really well there's quite mm-hmm. um like it with the intro track as well it's a good it's almost like two minutes or so before you hear yeah. rob zombie's voice come in um, which I thought was quite a brave thing to do, seeing as he's so recognisable and distinct. Um, but then when he does come in, it's so unmistakably Rob Zombie and there's that break just before he comes in, the pause, and it works really, really well. And when that really familiar, distinct voice come in, you're like, ah, oh, yes, here we are, you know. Mm. And that song does go into a few surprises. There's a little bit where it goes into a sort of new metal-y yeah. scratch-off uh mm. on the decks which is a bit like okay you, you're trying to bring this back are you um or <laughs> yeah. the 70s porn soundtrack funk of the outro um yeah and you know I, I, yeah as you said it's entertaining like because it's because mm. it's different it's entertaining i don't also tend to associate rob zombie with pinch harmonics either but there's a fair few of them in this song and um it sounds really cool like i, I mean i just fucking love pinch harmonics but um I'm well into that. Like that works really, really well. I think those sort of weird deviations, they don't always come off, but at least they're unexpected. And that's Mm. not something that you can always say of Rob Zombie's music. Let's face it. No. And I mean, I liked it as an opening. It really grabbed my attention. And then it goes pretty shockingly Rob Zombie after Mm. that. I mean, Battle of the Sleazy Rider could have been on, I think on any White Zombie or Rob Zombie album at any point in his career ever. Um, the bit where he goes the outer space motherfucking boogie man <laughs> like oh you're Rob Zombie and same for Shadow of the Cemetery Man it's just just kick drum yeah. kick drum kick drum kick drum yeah like boom 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 but like that that thing with a load of industrial stuff and him going yeah 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 over the top of it yeah um yeah yeah yeah, 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 to, yeah yeah and then we get to that sort of we get to 18th century cannibals mm. And so do, point, would you would you say that's a failure that song in your eyes? What eighteenth century cannibals? Mm. Blah blah blah. Mm. Do you dislike um, it that yeah, much? Yeah, I, mm. I I I really think it's rubbish to be honest. Mm, okay, I, I think maybe it's just because I just don't like that. But that kind of twiddly d fucking, it's really country. Do you know what I mean? It's really and it's really like. It's really like Carrie Underwood country as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm. apart from it's got the, and then they chuck in a heavy chorus, which just doesn't really sit with the rest of the song. And it's like kind of switching channels rather than, I mean, sometimes yeah. some bands can do that and it sounds good, mm. but sometimes you just go, oh God, that really is jarring. Mm. It just doesn't work. I, I don't like that song. I know what all. you mean. Um, and I understand the Uncle Cracker Association and I agree with it to an extent. I just think Uncle Cracker is this, but done badly. And I think this is that country and westerns slash rock thing done, if not well, much better than Uncle Cracker does, I'd say. Well, yeah, that's that's fine. And it probably is. But I mean, well, I know it definitely is. But, you know, that sort of stuff is just not great. Mm. But, you know, it's it's 
there's a lot of quite standard what you'd expect for Rob Zombie. I mean, he goes into that kind of, there's a bit in the eternal struggles of Howling Man where it goes into sort of 1960s San Francisco hippie psych out thing, which he's sort of done before, but I like that. And that was because it made it a bit better because it was pretty, you know, standard Rob Zombie before that. Mm -hmm. The satanic rites of Black Killer is good. It's got a sort of pulsive beat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool riff. And Rob sounds, you know, Rob sounds good on this album as well. I mean, he's doing the same things he always does, but, you know, that's something that I go, get that on the set list for a live show. That would sound great. Yeah. But for me, the, the high point of the record is Shake Your Ass, Smoke Some Grass, oh. and Boom, 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 which is not, sadly, a cover of the Out There Brothers classic. Um, um, I think Shake Your Ass, Smoke Some Grass has got some of the most delectable choruses of the entire record. It's really, really catchy. It's one Shake that I can imagine. Shake your ass, your ass. Yeah. Shake smoke some grass, some grass. Yeah. And, you you know, that's got dance club. That's got purple dreaded girl in black mini dress with eight foot platform shoes doing that goth dance to that in, in a club. That's that's what that's for. Well, right? I know what I'm song. wearing this weekend. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, uh, and the second one, um, Boom Boom Boom, is a sort of creepy, crawly Let me hear say cowboy. Whale, whale. Yeah, whale. <laughs> Remember that song? Yeah. Rubbish. <laughs> Terrible um, song. Sorry. And Rob sounds really good on it. He's yeah. got that kind of very deep, dark, you know, croaky kind of laid back almost thing to it. And it's got that kind of outlaw country cowboy vibe to it. And then which I think is a much, much better version of the twangly, jangly thing on Cannibals. Yeah. Century Cannibals. I think I do. Um, and I don't think the album really gets back to those heights again. Although, you know, the last few songs, Get Loose is decent and Crow Killer Blues sounds basically the same as everything else on the record. So uh, I don't know. It's I, Rob Zombie. I, album, I, I like Crow Killer Blues though. I think it ends the album on a high. It, it, mm. it is just what he does, but yeah. it's a good version of what he does. I mean, it's long. Yeah. It feels quite long. Do you think it's I think too it still long? F- still feels a little bit long. I don't know if it's because the last one was short and it was sort of over and you're like, oh. Because I do often sit down with latter-day Rob Zombie records and go, there's only going to be three or four songs off this that I'm really ever going to want to listen mm. to. It's it's long for a Rob Zombie album. Um, it, it It's not long in the grand scheme of long albums it's only 42 minutes but (laughs) but um yeah it's probably his is it his second longest record it may well be after hellbilly Hellbilly deluxe 2 because they're often kind of 35 minutes aren't they which is Mm. all you really need for rob zombie well i think that's the thing i think the last one was a very perfect 33 minutes Mm. and you know I get this sort of trying to take things in a, an opposing direction, which I think is 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 fine. But, you know, f- this 17 tracks as well, and it just feels like it doesn't need to be that much. For an, for an artist who is essentially never going to get back to the, the, the glory days of his past, I think just give us a little bit and we'll be happy. Mm. I think 10 tracks of this, picking out the best 10 tracks. Mm, mm. It would have made it been, much stronger. Yeah. Would have yeah. made it mu- would have made it much stronger. And I think you could probably turn those 10 tracks into 12 tracks if you wanted to have, th- or 13 if you wanted to have three of the interludes. Shadow of the Cemetery Man. I mean, I would take 18th Century Cannibals out as well. I think 
you could have one of like i mean something like the much talked of metamorphosis it's two minutes long and it's just like sort of nothing really isn't it? it's just a little in, a little sort of pl plicky plunky interlude i i I, um, I certainly don't think it needs to be two minutes long um the only reason why i like that interlude and it stood out to me is it kind of sounds like rob zombie doing stairway to heaven which i quite yeah. liked as an idea but um mm. yeah i mean it's hardly essential yeah i think there's a bunch here that probably you could you could get rid of really i think if it, if, i think if you're album... i think you're right having said that if they had you know if someone had turned around to rob zombie i don't think they would but if someone had turned around to rob zombie and said right it's got to be half an hour long um i would only accept it if like the more experimental material was kept on the record because at this stage in his career he should be like being encouraged to do that stuff i think um but um yeah i mean it doesn't have to be as long as it is having said that you know i made a point of saying that um like my favorite rob zombie albums at the top of this because i would say that this is probably my fourth favorite rob zombie album right okay so it's smack bang in the middle for me mm. which i think is fairly representative of the quality of the record as a whole it's quite good it's not his best it's not his worst but it's pretty good not essential but good yeah i mean do you need do you need a i was about to say do you need a rob zombie album i don't even know if you need a rob zombie greatest hit i mean you can get that rob zombie greatest hits that came out a few years ago yeah I, th I think that's enough, really. I don't even think you need Hellbilly Deluxe. I think you need Astro Creek 2000, but that's White Zombie. Yeah, I mean, Rob Zombie probably wouldn't have been a bad shout for us to choose on the first episode we do of the year where we're doing the greatest hits of the greatest hits. Um, mm. And I think, I think I've got that Rob Zombie. It's past, present and future or tense yeah. or something like that, I think it's called. Um, yeah, and it's really good. And I think it's got a DVD with all his videos on it as well, which is a massive part of the Rob Zombie thing. So it yeah. does have almost everything you need, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see Rob Zombie live and, you know, he still ends with Living Dead Girl, Dragula, Thundercast oh, 65, yeah, yeah. More Human Than Human. I don't think that'll ever uh, change, will it? And yeah, you just can't ever imagine him. I mean, you were saying, oh, I'd encourage him to do more... Um, experimental stuff i wouldn't encourage artists in general to not experiment but in rob zombie's case i actually would encourage him to just do what he's good at i i think the things that he's that are best on this record are when he's just doing rob zombie doing rob zombie really i mean boom mm. boom boom i guess is a sort of slower slightly different again slightly different variant on the things that he usually well, does i was but just gonna not... say i don't i don't think shake your ass smoke your grass or boom 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 are typical zombie you know I think shake your ass, smoke some grasses. I guess. I think so. it's like da, 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 yeah. da. it's a glammy yeah. industrial big yeah. rock stomper. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think I guess the first song is 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 fairly different as well, isn't it? I think the first yeah. song's got enough stuff going on where you go, well, at least you're chucking a load of stuff at the one. I definitely would keep that. Well, the, for the main the first song's a really good example of like I don't think all the experimentation works, but I really welcome him trying you know i'm not a massive fan of the like Battlestar scrolactica bit in the middle with the scratches and all that kind of thing i think it does sound a little you know late 90s dated new, dated and late 90s new yeah. metal but at least that's at least he's trying 
like as as you said it's entertaining it's still entertaining even though it's not necessarily <laughs> objectively good you know mm. <laughs> i mean rob zombie is kind of objectively good at one thing yeah right? totally and he's really good at it and again you know like yeah there's a few songs here that i think could pad out his set list and make in in the live you know in the live setting and make it better yeah like i do think that yeah, yeah i agree i i'd like if if i were to see him again i'd like to see some of the songs from this album only three or four but you know that's enough isn't it yeah definitely uh yeah it's all right this I mean, it's a Rob Zombie album. I don't, you know, we've managed to get a fair bit of mileage out of the fact that this is essentially a <laughs> Rob Zombie Rob album. Zombie I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say this. When I learned it was his seventh album, I thought in my head he'd done like 10 albums or something like that. And I think that says a, a lot about how repetitive Rob Zombie is. <laughs> I thought yeah, there was I mean, a just... lot more material than I realised. Just looking at it now, it's you know it takes big breaks between albums for the most part. It does. I mean, I suppose three years between the first Hellbilly Deluxe and the Sinister Urge. I mean, there was, you know, there was there was three years between White Zombie splitting up and then him going solo as well. Yeah. So I guess it's been three years, three years, four years to Educated Horses in two thousand six, four years to Hellbilly Deluxe two. Then three years, then three years. I suppose, yeah, this is actually the biggest gap. But it's not like he's super... I mean, he's a busy man. He's doing Hollywood and that, isn't he? He's doing Hollywood. That's what they call it. He is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. doing Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, this has been a gap of five years. You just didn't mention that at the end there. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like, I, I think five years is quite a nice gap to leave, though. Because it's, like, it's not like anyone in the world. I think he surely... God, I can't even imagine this person, but surely even like the person in the world whose favourite band ever is Rob Zombie. Do they need new Zob Rob Zombie records? Surely they don't. <laughs> not, not, not according to Adam Levine, they don't. There you go. So there you go. He's not even a band, is he? He's a solo artist. Yeah, exactly. Pro proving Adam Levine's point. Yeah. Um, anyway, there you go. That is the Lunar Injection Kool-Aid Eclipse Conspiracy by Rob Zombie, and it is out now. Now, there are two other bands that are probably significantly bigger than the next record we're going to talk about but i think we should just do it now anyway um pupil slicer the album's called mirrors it's a debut album from the london-based grinding hardcore trio and another one of the more exciting additions to the uk music scene of late um i got sent this album uh, by uh, Jonathan Seltzer and Metal Hammer and I was asked to review it for Metal Hammer magazine and so you can read my thoughts there or my thought there because it's only a few hundred it's only like 130 words or something but I'd rather you just listen to what I'm going to say now to be perfectly honest because <laughs> that would be far more in depth um, uh, and I didn't really know anything about them but I feel like I know quite a lot about them now and I like what I know Renfrey man this is um one of the best debuts we've uh, featured on the show for quite some time, I think. Mm. Um, uh, full disclosure, um, I've been aware of People Slicer for a while. I know their front person, Kate, um, is a friend. And uh, so I've been aware of them. And, you know, I've checked in with her from time to time to see how she's doing with this record. And it's been, oh gosh, she's been writing it for like five years, I think. 
Um, so I've been aware of them. I've had my eye on them. And um, they've pulled something really special out of the out of the pot with this one, I think. We've talked about how you can't always judge a band by their name. You know, last week we were talking about King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And one of the reasons I hadn't checked them out is because they had a silly name. Um, well, Pupil Slicer do sound as savage and as vicious as their name suggests. It's one of the few times where does what it says on the tin is absolutely appropriate um they deliver a i mean you mentioned math and grind and stuff like that they deliver an audible assault on the ears through very jittery instrumentation and very erratic dissonance there's some really chaotic all over the fretboard gymnastics pulled off by kate davies in a sort of early daughters fashion like daughters on their self-titled album mm. or maybe even canada songs and it's astonishing to think that she's playing those parts and screaming at the same time. And her vocal performance really is something else. Like, it really feels like she's expunging demons through her vocal cords. She sounds properly distressed on this album. When I was talking a couple of weeks ago about kind of the differences of character in screaming and character in voice and stuff like this, undoubtedly it sounds like she's expunging a really vile, nasty... Um, bout of emotions and feelings and then um, it mixes those really frenetic daughter style fretboard all over the place riffs with like technical passages that recall vein or maybe even i guess code orange as well to a degree but then mm -hmm. there's also you know there's bits of like Dillinger and Converge and Rolo Tomasi, um, Callis Deo Boys, the um, vocalist from Callis Deo Boys features on this record. There's bits of Frontera and Four Limbs. I mean, there's just so much on this 38 minute record. It's pretty astonishing, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, I think um, my review in Hammer, I should go and buy it anyway, but my review in Hammer said, you know, this manages to meld really challenging technical hardcore with with a kind of grindcore extreme metal edge mm. and there's something i mean it's 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 quite a daunting listen mm. if you are a fan of Dillinger, Converge, Napalm Death. You mentioned Daughters, I think is a good shout. Sixth, um, Poison the Well. <sighs> Even Machine Head and bands. I think there's there's passages of like groove metal done in like a horrible, horrible way in this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that opening to Wounds Across My Skin, which is fucking amazing, is great. But it reminded me of like Burn My Eyes era Machine Head, but being done by like a grindcore band mm -hmm. yeah, and you know, and then it kind of morphs into this really cool ambient passage halfway through. So when it comes back <clears> in, <throat> it just sounds a million times heavier. It's really, really good. Mm. I mean, they do a lot and sometimes they do it really quickly. Um, panic defense is brief. They go all over the place and just batter you like ferociously. Sometimes they do it a bit longer but it always ended up being just as intense and just as ferocious. I mean, that kind of, that song, Husk, oh, yeah. where it's like Dillinger Escape Plan, 
going death metal and it's got so many twists and turns and changes of pace and collages of sound and the stomp and then but then after all that after this kind of wild battering it just goes into this massive like stomp at the end which is really catchy and just propulsive and you know really just seduct like makes you want to move it makes you want to be like i have to move along to this it really husk really reminded me of thor by converge um yeah it has these really wailing natural harmonics which sound very reminiscent of that song but very much in a good way i mean how many bands managed to evoke that album in a positive Mm. way on their debut album you know not not very many that's a great song husk and they they do almost like (laughs) normally when you think of like math mathy bands kind of math core riffs and stuff they're yeah when you think of sixth and what sixth do and it's like or dillinger on calculate infinity like it's a lot of like widdly widdly no they kind of do that with riffs there's mm. a bit in like on worthless where it's just mad it's so great i've heard bands do those kind of jazzy rhythms before mm. something like you know the apple giraffes and those kind of bands but to tr- do it with an actual chugging sort of death metal guitar riff is yeah. is fucking great um the song that really impressed me the most on the record is Mirrors Are More Fun Than Television, mm-hmm. which is seven minutes long. And it, they do a lot of stuff <laughs> across that seven minutes. And just about all of it is good. And it is just so tense mm-hmm. from beginning to end that it is like a ferociously tightly wound coil of anger. But they're really, they're really dexterous. Like the intent is so is so harsh throughout the entire record, but they're really dexterous at how like that's the only that's the only element of the record that is consistent all the way through. It stays on a consistent level. Mm. It is angry, like it's in the red, angry all the time, and it never even the kind of melodic ambient passages are still super angry but they're really dexterous and they're really, and just like you said, like really inventive. It's a really inventive vocal performance. It's got some really inventive riffs. It's got some really inventive ideas about how songs should be structured. Mm. There's not a lot of, I mean, most of these bands don't do kind of verse, chorus, verse, chorus anyway, but Mm. I think particularly with Pupil Slicer, there appears to be very little in the way of we bring that part back or we put that part there. Do you know what I mean? I never feel like I know exactly when, what bit, when which part is going to be reappearing or if it's going to be reappearing at all mm-hmm. and they and you know it's it, i think it's easy for music like this to become monotonous i think it's easy for music like this to become kind of formulaic it's easy for these bands to run out of ideas and the fact that they don't do any of those things over this record and it's their debut and they're a trio yeah yeah <laughs> it's mad that is that is mind-bending the fact they're a trio we've had mm. a couple of um trios recently where you're like what i think the last one might have been fawn limbs maybe where you're just like well yeah. how the fuck is that just three people um i think the thing that really really sells this record for me is just how dynamic it is um it's exploring so many different facets of extreme music but in a really dynamic way the shortest song on this record is 47 seconds long and the longest mm. is seven minutes as you just pointed out and um that kind of it's that breadth of like how the ideas are approached that makes this interesting for its entire running length. And 38 minutes is 
is quite a long time for music as abrasive as this. I would say this mm -hmm. is in the fawn limbs realm, the sea space cowboy realm, the vein realm, even the nails realm in places. Mm -hmm. and those albums, you know, the vein record was 25 minutes. I think fawn limbs was about the same, maybe half an hour. See space cowboy and nails rarely run to longer than 20 minutes on a record, but this is 38 minutes and it does keep your interest the whole way up whole way through because it's really diverse within its field like it does a lot of different things there's these really cool it kind of acts as like a theme to the record i suppose there's these really cool swelled bass harmonies which kind of sound um reminiscent of orion by metallica and they come up a couple of times at the end of uh, Lapel David and um, the end of Wounds Upon My Skin. And it creates this kind of th foreboding theme to the record. I just think that's a really cool idea, which is not something I've really heard all that much, you know. But not only does it create that theme, but it also keeps it sort of dynamic and gives you a breather before running into the next really chaotic bit, which, you know, has all the more power um, as a result of having that space to breathe. But I think on the longer songs, like, as you already mentioned, Mirrors Are More Fun Than Television, which is absolutely an album highlight. I would say of the two long ones, I think I slightly prefer Collective Unconscious, if I'm totally honest. But it's pretty damn close run thing between those two songs anyway. Um, the way that they approach those songs is kind of like the longer cuts on Conjurer's Maya. I think, in that they have loads of stuff going on. They go to loads of different places. There's these amazing bits, which, as you say, just aren't repeated at all. And you're like, fuck me, when's that <laughs> incredible? Like, like most bands, if they had that idea, would base a whole song around it. And, you know, for this, mm. they just like chuck it away in 12 seconds kind of thing. Um, but it keeps it moving and it keeps it really interesting. And you never, I don't, I don't tire of this record at all, despite it being really extreme for quite a long time. 38 minutes is a long time in this um, level of Sonic Extremity, but Pupil Slicer managed to keep your interest the whole way through. If you really, if you like really chaotic, heavy shit, Pupil Slicer are your new favorite band. They're pretty good. They're pretty fucking good. I mean, there are a lot of good bands in the UK at the moment who are doing uh, not even really similar types of things, but there are a lot of bands in the UK at the moment who are making really interesting, excellent, heavy music. And we've spoken about a hell of a lot of them over the entirety of our podcast, be it Employed to Serve, be it Loathe, be it Leached, be it Earn, be it... Um, uh, oh fucking hell help me out Frontera um, Frontera um, and there are more Rolo Tomasi <laughs> Rolo Tomasi you know, Palm, Palm Reader Palm you know like there are there are a lot of these bands that are doing really really cool things in heavy music in the UK at the moment apologies to any of the ones that we've missed out um, and I think it the the standard is so high that I often find myself getting new bands and going, I think if you'd have asked me like 10 years ago, maybe 10, 11 years ago about the, the best bands in the UK, I think there are a few, but particularly in, in sort of in this kind of heavy music, there weren't really many that I would look at that I could go, you're as 
you're as good as the sort of American mm. counterparts. Mm. You know, you are as not the band counterparts are better than that. <laughs> um, but you're as good as your kind of American equivalent, mm. right? Usually, you would go the American equivalent is is slightly better. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. And no, I think I it's meant and it's meant that when you get a new band from the UK, you are suddenly comparing them to some really, really good bands. Like you got a you got a hit employed to serve now. That's that's mm -hmm. your benchmark. And that is a lot harder than your benchmark being, you know, the safety fire, with all due respect to them. Um so I think I've got quite a few young UK bands over the last couple of years. And I've been like the bar, a bit like with like we say with Code Orange, like the game done changed. The bar is higher, yeah. and that's why when a band does hit heights, it does, you know, does vault that bar and does reach that level. I, I'm almost more impressed now than I think I've ever been. Mm, mm. And this is really great. This record, yeah, totally it's really agree. Great. Mm. Mm. So, um, anything to add on that? um listen to it like you definitely listen to this band i think i think there will be people who will go fucking hell this band are really really great yeah like i wouldn't be surprised if you're listening to this and you have come you listen to our podcast and you you like you know the converges and code oranges and the knocked loose or the napalm death if, if you like the heavier stuff if you like it when we talk about the heavier stuff you have to listen to this. Yeah. I really do genuinely think that you will think that it's brilliant. Yeah. Agreed. Well, good. Mm. Well, good. Uh, all right, cool. There you go. That is mirrors by pupil slicer. It's out now. Our next album. It's been out a couple of weeks, actually. It's all it's uh, nature always wins by Maximo park. It's a seventh studio album from the Geordie indie rock revivalists, the follow up to their 2017 album risks to exist. Not heard that. Not even heard of that, to be honest. Ditto, The National Health and Too Much Information, which were their fourth and fifth albums. I've not heard or heard of them either. Um, Maximo Park, I wasn't even really aware that Maximo Park were even still together. I've not really even thought about or heard mention of Maximo Park for a long time. And then, obviously, they were number two architects as we sit here and record. It probably won't be when this podcast goes out but architects at number one they beat maximo park by 500 copies so maximo park at number two with this album and i had put this on the list when i knew it was coming out to put potentially review we didn't get around to it because we were just like ah you know maximo park like do people even think about them anymore let's just not bother but now they're at number two and we had a bit of a slow week we thought we'd throw it in and i have to tell you i'm actually not here to just slag off Maximo Park at all. In fact, I actually feel like Maximo Park were a pretty decent antidote to a lot of that mid-noughties indie landfill scene that we talk about with such contempt. Um, in fact, I would say if you take Block Party out of the equation, I think they've got a claim to being the best one of those bands. It's them or Editors or Kasabian probably in it. Um, I think A Certain Trigger is a fantastic debut album. Uh, it's got a really great punk energy. It's got some really great songs that do the thing that indie music is meant to do, um, which is get people kind of jumping up and down and singing along and hugging each other and just nice. And Paul Smith's Geordie Twang gave their music a little bit something different to set them apart. 
Um, the second album, Our Earthly Pleasures, is the one I think most people go to. It's, I think it's fine. It's got our velocity on it. It's got books and boxes on it. I think they're the kind of the biggest songs. But I really hadn't heard of or thought about Maximo Park for a long time. Um, so I was kind of shocked to see that it went in at number two in the album charts. And I was actually quite interested to see what they sounded like now. Renfri, mm -hmm. your already existing relationship with Maximo Park pre-hearing this record not much of one at all really i think because i put them in with all those bands like kaiser chiefs and the rakes and franz ferdinand and bloody blah, blah. Mm -hmm. you know just wasn't particularly interested at the time i did hear a few people yourself included say their first album a certain trigger is um very good never got around to checking it out though um but uh yeah so not a massive relationship with maximo park one way or the other i've read mm -hmm. reviews i've read a few reviews for this album though steve and on one on more than one occasion as a matter of fact the critic has said that finally maximo park have made another album that matches their debut so mm. steve have they well like i say i was actually quite interested to see what maximo park sounded like in 2021 considering i hadn't really bothered listening to them for about 15 years, yeah. really. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, it's not really the same band that I remember them being. Um, the opening song, partly of my making, is going for a real Echo and the Bunnymen, 1980s, post-punk, soaring synth, synth thing. And I actually quite liked the song. But it was much calmer and more, oh, don't really like the word, but mature sound to what i thought used to be great about them right my fears were that they had gone down this now very well trodden by the likes of kings of leon or coldplay path where they have you know really sharpened off all of the the edges made it very very smooth made it very very easy made it quite bland in the process and the 80s post-punk thing which is very, very popular at the moment. And I love it, you know, as you know, as I discuss pretty much every week, I love that kind of thing. But I love the bands that always did it and did it originally. And I, I like the bands that are, are doing it, f I think, because it's something that they like to do rather than something which has become quite cool. Um, it's kind of getting a bit played out from some of the bigger bands, I think, now. I mean, I don't think The Strokes or even Pearl Jam really need to be getting too reliant on that so that from a, a from the first track i thought was a bit of a worry mm -hmm. but i have to say in isolation i quite like the song it was mm. sort of like not as good version as something from like the remote part by Idlewild. i thought oh yeah i can yeah i can i didn't make that link but i can see what you're saying um i think it's one of the most successful songs on the album personally so um i do too right <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i mean i really hope that they would kick it up a notch after that but they didn't and if anything the next song versions of you is even more laid back and unlike that first song it went in one ear and it went out the other and that is a massive problem for the majority of this record in one ear it goes mm. out the other ear it goes very it's gone very brave and quite unexpected to put a very subdued quote-unquote ballady track as track two 
Um, mm. It just felt like a really weird move to, to to me. I I thought versions of you was a perfectly nice enough song. I, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I'm fairly in the middle with it, but it's placing on the album just seemed bewildering to me. Like really weird. Yeah, really weird. And there's 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 not enough of. I mean. When I think of the Maximo Park songs that I really, really like um, from, you know, certainly from A Certain Trigger, that first record, you know, Apply Some Pressure, Go Missing, Graffiti, I Want You To Stay, Acrobat is, I mean, Acrobat is actually a bit of, an, that. that is a more kind of, that is a slower, um, more moody song. But that's track 12 of a 13 track record, you know signal and sign in fact that that opening that opening seven on that album is it's really kind of quite bang 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 signal and sign of price and pressure graffiti postcard of a painting is not quite as good going missing i want you to stay limassol that is like a fucking bang 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 there you go it's not particularly unique in the grand scheme of music but they certainly had enough to set them apart from what else was going on at the time and those are seven pretty fucking good songs i would say this is so laid back and is so like shrug worthy and that you know i'm not going to say like maxima parker punk energy like fucking dri or fear or something like that but <laughs> you know it's not enough energy in this album at all and they bring that kind of indie landfill disco beat thing back a bit on yeah. baby sheep with a bit of synth and I thought, oh, that will kick it up a notch. And it sort of did, but it's just not got... A, it's, I mean, it's got a very memorable chorus, but it's memorable because of how fucking annoying it is, mm, Baby Show. I thought, yeah. oh, like, that's a really annoying chorus. It it's reminded shitty... me of um, Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deeply Something. Yeah, it's got that kind of thing to it, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, you know, this, isn't, this isn't rough, punky no. energy at all. This no. is just like, you know, swing your pants music. And it's <laughs> annoying. And... I mean, you were talking a couple of weeks back about cheap sounding stuff, mm. right? And the keys part on All of Me sounds so fucking cheap. Yeah. Sounds like Nick Kershaw, yeah, right? Yeah. Sounds like 80s AOR synth pop. And I actually quite like that song because of it, really. Because at least it sort of aims for something anthemic. Mm. But my God, it sounded cheap. And there's not really anything on this record. I mean, one of the few songs that saved this from being a bit of a disaster, I think, is... Um, when Pauline Murray from the band Penetration turns up on on Arda, mm. and I think that's comfortably the best song on the record. It's not a great song, but it does sort of sound like them in their natural habitat. The vo the verses are good on that song, I think, mm -hmm. but it's a bit like that one good Smashing Pumpkins song on that album that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, which wouldn't have got anywhere near Siamese Dream or Melancholy or Gish, yeah. or even Adore probably. Yeah, yeah. But in the context of that record of, of CYR, you went, oh, yeah, good, good, this, isn't it? It's like, yeah. mm, it's not good. It's just better than everything else here. Yeah. And it's sort of that song is followed up by a couple of much slower songs that just totally passed me by. The only other one I like is I Don't Know What I'm Doing, where they chuck a little bit of energy in. That's about as interested in them as I get. And they just seem much more comfortable in that space. And I, I have to say, I really hate the last two songs. I thought I was like, oh, this is not a great record. And then the last two songs are so slow and ponderous and actually pretty pretentious as well. 
there's just a, there's a bit in, not good. There's a bit in the penultimate song, "Feelings I'm Supposed to Feel," where Paul Smith is very, very close to the mic, um, and mm. it sounds like he's sort of whispering behind your ear. And I really didn't enjoy that at all. Oh, horrible. I felt violated. Yeah. Um, not yeah, not pleasant. I don't. Uh, I actually, "Child of the Flatlines," the final song. I actually think is one of the better better songs actually um okay i like the backwards guitar solo um i like the bit where he's repeating the album title over and over again uh, nature always wins um <laughs> that's not a glowing recommendation because to be honest mm. for me this record as a whole it sounds okay to me it's the same it's just like what you said in one ear out the other it's pretty inoffensive indie electro pop rock for the most part i don't love it but i like it more than i was expecting to like it i'll say um there's some nice stuff on it um but most of the time it just sounds like pleasant background noise and occasionally something like the cool backwards guitar solo bit in child of the flatlands will pull me out of my kind of stupor a little bit. I'd be like, oh, that's quite nice. And then I just go mm. back to being fairly disinterested, but not in not in a way where I feel irritated or upset <laughs> or annoyed. It's just sort of a thing that's going on in the background and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, the thing is, I haven't actually heard the last few of their albums, so I don't know how long they've sounded like this, right? But this is, to me, an advert for a band not trying to evolve, <laughs> to be honest. I think it's a really good... When you say, like, bands should always experiment and they should always evolve, I actually think this is a really good advert for bands not doing that. This is what happens when simple bands who give simple pleasures and are quite good at a fairly simple thing and have one little unique thing about them in this case the kind of the lyrics and the vocals of paul smith decide to go above their pay grade i mean to me this is when you when people bandy the word sellout around right and it's usually just because a band have changed for some reason oh they've sold out they've changed they've gone more melodic they've sold out i don't think that it's as simple as that to just say anything that goes more melodic is a sellout but this to me is kind of the epitome of selling out because it's what's popular right now it's shaving your sound down to make it more commercially viable and compromising what your band are good at maximo park are not good at being uh you know a, a, an arena rock a slow arena rock made for radio band they're not that's not what was good about those first two records and I don't really understand why you try and do that when it is so ill. It's like a suit that you used to wear. Like a, it's like a pair of school trousers, like trying to fit into a pair of school trousers. You're like, you're not going to fit into them anymore. Well, it's actually not like that because that would suggest that you used to be able to do something and now you can't. It's more like a, it, it's more like a kid buying a grown up suit. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, you're, you're not old enough to be wearing this. And Maximo Park, you're not good enough to be you two. You're not even good. You're not good enough to be Coldplay. You're not. You're not good enough to be the 1975. You're a good indie punk band. That's what you're good at. Mm. And you should do that 
if you want to carry on and maybe they have maybe they have been doing that for so long they're just fucking sick of it but this is proof that they're not capable of doing anything other than that Mm. i guess and and, and that's on the basis of like two albums that came out 15 years ago Mm. i i guess i can't comment on that because i've not heard anything else that they've done um all i will say is there have been a couple of reviews that i've read which have hinted that this is a return to form and if this is a return to form then i'm not particularly interested in checking out anything else um i may check out a certain trigger anyway because you bang on about it quite a lot uh yeah it's really good that record you know and there are there are like there are really good records from that time there aren't many good bands from that time even even Mm. your block parties and stuff like that really is i only ever listened to the first two records and it's predominantly the first one you know Mm. um editors is the same i only really like i fucking love the back room but i don't really listen to anything else by them to be totally honest um monkeys have got a a couple of good albums i suppose i forgot about them yeah um yeah i'd give arctic monkeys a couple as opposed to one but even Mm. even them you know they've got a fair amount of dross is probably a little ott but not great stuff as well so yeah um but yeah uh, i mean like i say this album for me was pretty much one in in one ear out the other not too interested in it it's not terrible i don't think it's offensively bad or anything like that it's just very meh and it's number two yeah. in the album charts, which makes total sense because <laughs> because meh music is the most popular music that just doesn't really stir anything or which is just kind of there in the background creating a pleasant sound. That is the most popular music. <laughs> so, you know, it is. If you're interested in Maximo Park and you haven't listened to them before and you're thinking, oh, I might see what, you know, because you have said some things that are good about them. This is not the album. A Certain Trigger is absolutely the album. And I would say A Certain Trigger is an album which you should go and listen to because it is really good. And it's got some really, really great singles on it. Going Missing is great. Apply Some Pressure. You must have heard Apply Some Pressure. Probably have. I just yeah. can't recall it off the top of my head. Okay. Um, but it's wicked. Like, you know, there's some, there's some fucking good songs on that. But they are just bizarre decision making on this record Mm -hmm. really really bizarre decision making i don't know how new that is um but i'm really really not feeling it i'm not gonna lie so there you go that is the new album from maximo park it is called nature always wins and it's been out a couple of weeks now uh let's move on to our last record it comes from i hate god the album is called a history of nomadic behavior it's a sixth studio album from the dirtiest of all of the nola sludge bastards and is that a and a, a, a genre do you think renfrey sludge bastards i feel like nola sludge bastards is <laughs> yeah 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 uh this is the first album good i'm glad we clarified that <laughs> properly for everyone um this is their first album <laughs> since their 2014 self-titled album now they've never been the most prolific of bands I hate God. I think it's um, quite fair to say. Uh, there's obviously a seven-year gap between I Hate God, I Hate God in 2014 and this album that we're about to review now. That's a 14-year f- um, gap between Confederacy of Ruined Lies and I Hate God. That's, yeah, uh, so that's the same as Chinese democracy. It's quite a, big old, quite a big old gap. But there was a little period with I Hate God from kind of that decade, the 90s. The 90s. Um, they had a 
pretty spectacular run of records, I think, from Take as Needed uh, Needed for Pain, Dope Sick, and Confederacy of Ruined Lives as well, which there's actually a song from Confederacy of Ruined Lives on an album, a, a, a compilation CD that Stegel were on. We were quite happy with that. But yeah, I mean, obviously the debut album, In the Name of Suffering, I think some people would probably say you should say that as well. I, you know, I, I think Take as Needed for Pain and Dope Sick are the two Confederacy of the Ru- of Ruined Lives. I actually like that as well. I'm not sure how many people feel the same about it. But um, that was a pretty wicked run of albums that they had in the 90s. This album is actually only features Mike Williams on vocals and guitarist Jimmy Bauer from that run of classic records. So there you go. But um, yeah, I think I Hate God in the 90s released some pretty fucking great records are you a fan of their music at all Renfrey? so i'm gonna confess i'd never really gone in on i hate god all that much before um hearing this record um of the kind of bands that make up down let's say um they mm. were the band that i was least familiar with um and I went in listening to this album a little bit blind, but knowing that they were considered like the heaviest and sludgiest of those bands and all that kind of thing. And mm. <clears throat> at first, I, re- I, I, well, confession time, I turned around to you a day or two ago and said, do we really have to review this I Hate God record? Because I think it's rubbish. I just don't get it at all you know and you know you convinced me that we should do it i didn't need that much convincing but you convinced me that we should but i was reluctant to do it because i didn't want to like come on here and slam legends of the scene and not understanding their music so i decided to um listen to take as needed for pain to just to give me a bit of context now first of all hot take take as needed for pain is way better than this record (laughs) i'm (laughs) i'm very glad that I listened to Take As Needed For Pain because I feel like it gave me context that I needed to understand this record at all, I would say. Because when I heard Take As Needed For Pain, I realised that on this record, A History of Nomadic Behaviour, oh, you're trying to do what you did 27 odd years ago. You're just not doing it very well. But when I first listened to it, I couldn't even understand what they were trying to do. I just thought it sounded like old men really trying to do sludgy feedback drenched metal yeah i guess it's metal um i have whilst i wouldn't say that i've made a turnaround and now enjoy the album having listened to take as needed for pain I do at least understand it now. And rather than looking at it and like wanting to shoot fish in a barrel, I'm now like, oh, that's such a shame because I could see that they were capable of something really cool and like a little bit different. And, and you know, like I'm definitely going to check out Dope Sick after this. Um, yeah, that's the best one, I think. Right, right. Um, um, but, but yeah, I don't feel... Uh, this felt like an, an, a pretty poor imitation of i hate god to me yeah i mean it kind of when i put it on built beneath the lies the first song comes kind of marauding in just mm. like feedback and screaming and boom, boom and i was like nice it's that no fucks given i hate god thing they're back 
instantly violent sludge and I immediately responded really well to it. But like you say, Renfrey, I'll tell you, it is a dangerous tightrope, this kind of thing. Mm. And what starts by sounding really great, really loud, really violent, really powerful, soon becomes very dull and quite uninspiring. Definitely. And yeah. almost immediately when the riff on the next song, The Outer Banks, was such a like bog standard yeah. generic boring riff and mike williams vocals are really labored on it yeah and it wasn't until it went double time at the end of that song where i was like oh Something. you're alive yeah, yeah something's yeah. happening yeah and there's just an awful lot of filler so much yeah there's just so much i mean it'd probably be easier for me to mention the stuff that doesn't sound like filler to the stuff that does. In fact, I will do that. I like the start of Three Black Eyes and then I just think it descends into a mess. Mm -hmm. I thought the opening bass run over the squalid noise of current situation is really enjoyable because of how antagonizing it is. Mm -hmm. But it just goes into another dull... I feel like they do the same riff all the way through this yeah. album. I really enjoyed the amount of hate on the trial of Johnny Cancer. Mm -hmm. um, I'd rather be a corpse than a coward was one of the mm -hmm. vocal lines I like from it. And it's got a few moments guitar wise where I was like, okay, that's a good lick. You know, there's a bit of a lick in there. It's kind of almost like a a bit of a, a bluesy, a, a more blue, rather than like there's, there's not enough of the kind of bluesy stuff. It's more just pure sludge on this and it's boring and it plods along. And I'd say the last two minutes of the final song, um, Everything Every Day is good as well. Just got a bit more drive to it. And Tim Williams sounds mental on it. Just going, kill your boss, kill your boss. That's, like, that's interesting. Um, that was a little bit of a St. Anger, kill, 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 kill moment for me. <laughs> yeah. um, and maybe it's, you know, because some people love that and some people hate it. Um, I, for Everything Every Day, I was far more on the side of hate. I'm really fed up of Mike Williams's like vocal delivery by the time when he's just screaming everything and every day, kill your boss, kill your boss, like over and over and over again on a song, which I mean, my computer tells me it's only four minutes and 42 seconds. It feels like it's about 16 minutes. He's just screaming. It's long, it's long, long. long. But but what I liked about it is Mike Williams sounded deranged on it, which he doesn't. Uh, so much of this album, he doesn't sound like deranged Mike Williams. And everything else yeah. on the records, I mean, one paced, boring, lacking any kind of ideas, quite tired, very obvious, not very good. No. Not very good at all, this record. And... You know, I know people might go, wow, you never like this stuff. And that's absolutely not true in this case, because I love Iron Monkey. We, I love Acid Bath. Mm -hmm. I really like Crowbar. Mm -hmm. And I've already discussed, I actually really like I Hate God as well. Mm -hmm. But this is not as good. It just isn't. Go listen to Sister Fucker from part one from Takers Needed for Pain mm -hmm. or Dog's Holy Life or Peace Through War from Dope Sick. Go and listen to those, any of those songs. And tell me that anything on this record sounds as evil and heavy and brutal and energetic as that. And I just don't think you can. They're I just don't think you can play those two things back to back. They're night and go, day. Oh, well, it's all sound. It all sounds the same. It's like, well, they might all be kind of formulated in the same way. And they might all be sonically attempting the same thing. But this is a great example of why those two things aren't the same. Because listen to those, listen to something that, that like, listen to fucking um, uh, Dog's Holy Life. 
and yeah. then listen to I mean, even a bit that I everything every day, that last song. Listen to those two songs back to back, or the Outer Banks. Listen to the Outer Banks, and then there's just no argument. Yeah, yeah. It's I I. It's never a nice thing to listen to an album by a um a a, a gen gen genuinely revered band, and then just go what I don't I don't get it. Um, mm. and, and I'm, that's why I'm so glad I went back to their other albums and realized, and you're right. It's quite, it's, it's a, it's a difference, which is quite difficult to put your finger on as to why, like, if someone asked me to tell them why, um, takers needed for pain is better than a history of nomadic behavior. It'd be difficult for me to describe why bar like saying there's just, there's just an energy to takers needed for pain, which just isn't prevalent on a history of nomadic behavior and you know what i just don't think they've written very good songs on this record like even yeah. even the moments that you were talking about that you saw as highlights you didn't name any songs you named moments of songs mm. rather mm -hmm. than entire songs and more often than not they just descend into really tired drudgy old boring sludgy lyrics and it just sounds very you know, and then suddenly you get squalling th feedback for like a minute and a half, and it just sounds very try hard. It's it's just it's uh, yeah. I I I I wanted to like this a lot more than I did, um, and I but I actually found it really trying. This album, I found it really trying. I I want to mention um, Mike Williams just quickly before we kind of wrap this up because you're right. I'm when mike williams recorded those albums in the 90s he was a very troubled individual hmm. a very very troubled individual now i am glad that he appears to have sorted himself out and he has had i mean if you i'm not going to go into it here but you can look up stuff oh yeah um on on mike williams and there is he's had a, a tough time lot there's a lot of stuff i mean he's you know he's had a tough time of it he's also done some pretty fucking mad things yeah. as well oh yeah um and you know he um he he doesn't sound like the same bloke i mean th that's kind of the, the, the good thing about this record right and i mean this is i guess damning with faint praise but it made me think back to those early i hate god records and go well they were definitely real then because i think a sorted an older sorted out more together mike williams cannot replicate the fucking mental drug-addled crazy person that made those early albums and that's probably for his life a good thing mm -hmm. right that's probably a good thing for his existence and his continued um you know uh well well-being yeah yeah well-being him being a, a you know a sort of functioning member of society yeah but you know I Hate God were about capturing the absolute bleakest, nastiest, most appalling, hopeless aspects of, you know, human life. And they had a vessel who would capture that on those records. When you listen to those records, his vocals on them, his vocal performances on them, they give that band an extra 25, 30% because they are so real. 
And I'm not saying he's not real on this record. I think he actually does sound quite real because he doesn't sound like that. He sounds like an older guy. It's just not as the intensity and the, you know, it's just not there. And I think, like you say, I don't think they've written, I don't think they've written songs that are as good. You know, I think they labour the point a lot. When you look back to some of the, to the track listing on Dope Smoker, so much of it dips under the two, you know, there's loads of stuff on the album which dips under the two minute mark. Do you mean dope, and it just dope, come Dope Sick? No, Dope Sick, sorry, not Dope Smoker. Um, yeah, the, uh, the dip under the two minute mark. Yeah. And that, that shit is like, just like a big hock in a big loogie in someone's face mm. and it all being covered in tobacco and blood and mm. fucking, you know, it's horrible. This album isn't horrible in the same way. And no. it's actually made me go, well, I don't need this in any way, but I'm kind of glad Mike Williams <laughs> weirdly seems like for somebody screaming, kill your boss and I'd rather be a corpse than a coward. He actually seems like he's in a far better place than he used to be. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm almost kind of glad for you as a person that you don't have so many demons to, you know, to deal with, to get out for your records. It's almost probably worth it. And he's he's done that before. Um, That's the polite way of saying you haven't got anything to say, though, isn't it? (laughs) It's not meant to be that. No, I mean, it's not meant it's not meant to be. You don't have anything to say, but it is like, I mean... I don't, if, if he was still capable of doing those sort of takes that he did on those earlier records, I don't think he'd be alive now. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he's, he's got to be like in his 50s. I would have thought probably. so. Yeah, I would have thought so. So anyway, um, yeah, it's not a great record, this. But again, again, I think you do need to listen to I Hate God. You just don't need to listen to this record. That's fair enough, isn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. That's perfectly and even fair. more so than Maximo Park. I think they've got three records that you should probably go and check out. Um, whereas Maximo Park, I would only really suggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, A History of Nomadic Behaviour is out now if you want to listen to it. Um, like I say, I mean, if you listen to this and you like it, I think you'll fucking love the other ones. Oh my God, you'll, you'll go gaga for the other ones if you like this one yeah definitely all right there you go that is the end of the show we're out see you later hope you've enjoyed that next week we're back doing more metal lana del rey is on the <laughs> is on yes, the uh her metal album. the review schedule oh, i would love it if she did do a metal album um i i can tell you that she hasn't but uh but that's fine <laughs> no, yeah, it no it's definitely I wasn't yeah, yeah. You know. I sp- anyway, we've got My- Miley Cyrus has already done that, so we don't need another. <laughs> we don't, we don't have to keep doing it. Do um, good. All right. Lana Del Rey is coming up amongst other people next week. I can't actually remember what else is up next week, but there'll be a f- some other things. Lana Del Rey is the main one. Uh, go to signaturebrew.co.uk, put Right Act in the checkout, get 10% off of all of your beverage-based needs, including Renfrey's favourite fruity ones. Oh, fruity. And go, with, yeah. go to Right Act, uh, our Patreon page, go over to patreon.com forward slash Right Act podcast and you will get access if you're willing to pay for it for all of all of our many extra special specials <laughs> didn't really sell that very well fucking <laughs> hell all right anyway i'll uh, see you next week bye <laughs>